Blog Talk Radio.
and I'll have uh, the Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy show. I'll be listening to uh, different medical uh, shows. There's a uh, a couple of different guys. One of the guys is a retired uh, special forces guy that puts out uh, a really good podcast. And, uh, and then there is uh, Jack Spierko with uh, the Survival Podcast. Uh, there are different gun podcasts, but and there's actually who knows thousands uh, podcasts out there, but there's not that many that really uh, that are really doing that great a job. So it's it's still kind of hard to get uh, as much uh, as many podcasts as I would like. But that's what I listen to. I'll uh, download the the podcast to my iPod, and I'll listen to uh, to things like how to treat uh, uh, insect bites or snake bites, or uh, what to do for allergies. And uh, there's any number of uh, of different podcasts, a lot of different information that they're putting out, and I I prefer that. Uh, to to any of the current uh, radio stuff that's running, even uh, any of the good AM talk shows, or at least they, at some point way back they were good. I, I don't consider them to be good anymore because everybody is simply trying to figure out the best way to black each other's eyes, right? Uh, even folks that uh, I'm sure in their hearts are trying to do the, for the right things, uh, Sean Hannity, Russell Limbaugh, and stuff like that, Still, they're just, uh, they are just doing what is the best for their show, which means uh, trying to sell advertising. And uh, that's the same thing that we get from all of the television networks. I don't care who it is, you're listening or watching to the bottom of the, uh, or the balance sheet of the spreadsheet is how much did they sell in advertising? And depending on what uh, on on what side of the aisle you're listening to, will depend on what uh, kind of diet that you get fed. But almost from either side, if you're listening to mainstream media, you're going to be getting a steady dose of hatred. A steady dose of hatred. One side is going to be attempting to persuade you that their hatred is the absolute best hatred uh, that you can that you can purchase. Right? It's the absolute best hatred for you for that day, and uh, the other side will dispute that because they'll say their hatred is the best. Our hatred is better. No, ours is best, and. And everyone is caught up in this. Everyone is caught up in the the steady diet of hatred that we're being fed. I was reading an article. I guess it was. Maybe it was late last night or this morning. Uh, but it was talking about how... Uh, and this is really nothing new, uh, how the, we, our culture, uh, and the attitudes that uh, many of us have are derived directly from the media. 
and it was also talking about how important Google is now in uh, in determining things like the outcome of elections. And you can see how that how that would be the case because uh, Google has the ability, and they certainly got the smarts to do this. But they have the ability uh, to front load uh, their their search engine in ways that will bring you the information that they want you to have, depending on no matter what you're searching for, that they can alter and send you the stuff that they want you to see, right? They can do that. It's their company. It's their private company. Nothing says that whenever you hit the button, the submit button on your Google search, that you're going to get the absolute truth and nothing but the truth will help you guide. You're going to get what Google wants you to have. That's just the way that it works. And more and more, we are depending on things like Google to to give us our information. There are things that we routinely depend on, uh, things like uh, like Wikipedia. Or a lot of people use Snopes uh, to verify facts. Now, uh, Snopes, of course, I'm sure everybody knows, is simply a man and his wife. And uh, they run it, they're out of their home, and they, without a doubt, they have extremely strong uh, left and liberal uh, views on things. And that's how they temper their, the information that they bring to you. So when you check something and you see verified by Snopes, that that certainly has some uh, credibility to it, but you need to understand, too, who it is and why they're bringing the information and why the, how it's being brought to you. Uh, it's the same thing with just about every everything that you can find on the web. Wikipedia, the same thing. Now, since that's such an open source publication, it's it's not easy for somebody to uh, to pull the wool over your your eyes uh, for a long time because uh, everybody can read it, and if something isn't right, then you certainly have the right to uh, dispute it. Now, whether they do anything about it or not is going to be up to the folks at Wikipedia, right? Once again, they do not have uh, any kind of mandate or any kind of obligation uh, other than a moral one, an ethical one, to bring you the absolute truth and nothing but the truth. It's going to be the truth that they want you to have. And a lot of times when people bring you these truths, there's a good chance that they're not doing it uh, with any kind of malice or forethought. It's just because that's what, uh, in their hearts, they want the truth to be. They want the truth to be such a thing with so much, uh, with so intently that that they can they can do whatever they can in their own minds and and wills to ensure that it is the truth. So I'm telling you this because. Ultimately, the the decisions that we make, the things that we do, 
the votes that we cast are all made based upon the knowledge that we have of a certain event, a certain thing, a certain subject, and then our previous experience with it. So you need to know where your knowledge is coming from. First of all, you need to get some knowledge. And I don't mean, I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm not saying that uh, everyone out there listening is morons. I'm saying you need you need to be searching. You need to be trying to uh, to to seek out the truth uh, on any of the any of the issues that we're faced with. Uh, we just uh, went through weeks uh, of intentness. I think the whole thing was over a year, but we just went through weeks of the Zimmerman trial. And of course, that is that is certainly a prime example of the media force-feeding Americans a steady diet of hate, doing everything they can to get us to hate each other, to cause strife, to cause drama. And why? What is, what is the purpose of that? What is the purpose of this at its root? I'm sure that, that, that individuals all have individual reasons for doing this, but, but what is the main reason that the mainstream media is doing this? Uh, I'm sure a great deal of it is because it, the more controversy, uh, the more jumping up and down and screaming they can create, and the more attention will be brought to uh, whatever it is that they're doing, whatever uh, newscast or, uh, or radio show or newspaper headline. The more attention they can be brought to it, the more readers they'll get. The more readers they get, uh, the more circulation they have, and the higher the price they can charge for their advertising. But why? Why are we doing this? Why are we fomenting hate? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, some of you guys have some opinions on this. But anytime you have a situation where you have uh, one gentleman that, uh, that despite the, the media's intense uh, attempt to color Mr. Zimmerman white, uh, he was actually a, a racial mixture of uh, uh, Caucasian, Hispanic, and uh, from everything I read, he even had a black great-grandfather. So why are they doing this? And especially why are they pointing the finger so intently at this, at this, at this one event? And listen, I'm not trying to downplay this. Anytime somebody is killed, or injured. It's, it's it's never a good thing. Never. Never something to be uh joyous about. Uh, even if uh even if the person that gets killed is a a horrible criminal, it's still not something to get joyful about and rejoicing in someone's death. And yet during this same uh, this this same media event. We had one weekend in uh, Detroit, which was Independence Day weekend. There were 72 shootings 
72 in one weekend. Many of those shootings resulted in fatalities and deaths. Many of those deaths were of minors or school kids. Why, why is there nothing heard about that? We're, we are in an age where it is so easy for us to be confused. It's so easy for us to be overloaded with information. And then throwing on top of that information that is uh, that is skewed in one way or another, or some downright lies. You have the the case of I believe it was NBC who completely doctored the audio recordings of Zimmerman. Now they said it was an editing mistake. That's how they tried to 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 paint it. But but we all know that that's not the case at all. It was their attempt to create more controversy, to create more hate. As long as we're as long as we're hating each other, then we're not paying attention to the people who are running this nation. We're not paying attention to the real things that matter. Now, like I said, one even just one person uh died. Uh, being killed in a uh, in any kind of an event like this is is a terrible thing. I'm not going to go. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go on. Uh, I believe who was it? Uh, was it Stalin? Who said uh, one death is a tragedy, one million deaths are a statistic. Uh, I still think that. Uh, I think that Trayvon Martin's death uh, was unnecessary, and. And it was a tragedy. <clears throat> but in the bigger picture, this is happening all over America. And and it's happening just as much. Uh, I posted several uh, several posts uh, on cases almost exactly like it, where the, the neighborhood watch person was black and the 15-year-old kid was white. And and we're not hearing about this. <clears throat> and uh, and you got to ask yourself why. Why this is happening. Why aren't we being fed this diet? What is, what is supposed to be the end result of this? Who is supposed to benefit from this? Because it's not us, right? I can tell you this, too. That in almost every case you see, even of, I'm talking about hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool haters. When you took a, a member of the, uh, like a, the hardcore KKK, and you you put them in a room with a black person, and uh, they stayed there for uh, a week or two weeks, uh, at the end of that time, it's worked out. Everybody's on level ground. Nobody's a hater anymore. So, so there is no there is no law, there is no rule that says any of us have to hate anybody else 
and and there's no uh, there's no turning back from it. So who is going to benefit from this? Who's benefiting from the hate that's being generated by the media? So I want you to think about that, and I would like you to uh, like you to guys for you for you guys to uh, uh, to call in. And uh, you can give me your opinion on this. I know it's a little bit off the subject. We'll get back onto the subject uh, uh, again real quickly. But uh, we do have the lines open now, 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. You guys are welcome to call in to give your thanks to your local uh, Appleseed Project crews for the jobs that they are, are doing uh, as volunteers in a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation, the absolute best. You can give the call in to give them your thanks for their dedication and the sacrifices that they are making in order to bring this program to the public. And you can also uh, call in to tell me what you think uh, about mainstream media's uh, goals for what they're doing. And then we're going to dive right into the Tonight's topic subject, which is uh, the the fallacy of the of the going it alone or the individual uh, survival, uh, the the way that everybody has always traditionally thought about survival, which is is seeing the the individual doing it, the solo person uh, hacking out their way through the jungle and, and making it on their own. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, I've got uh, Matt on the phone. Matt said he wants to talk. Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. First time I've actually managed to to tune in at the the right time. Um, <laughs> well, you were talking about. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. You're welcome to call at any time. We'll do our best to get you on the air. But uh, go right ahead. What do you got for us? Oh, you were talking about radio, and you never listened to it and such. I wanted to throw in a plug for KMFA which is available across the Internet, classical music, public station that is not an NPR affiliate. Uh, So if you ever get tired of screaming at your iPod, uh, they may have something to mellow you right out. So what's their their format? What's their their platform that they're they're covering? Classical music. As one friend put it, the greatest. Just classical music. Well, I think I listen to I think I listen to them fairly often. Isn't that the AM uh, uh, like 500 uh, area? No, uh, FM 89.5. Yeah, FM 89.5. Oh, okay, FM. All right. Well, I do listen to uh, to classical music uh, quite a bit, and I actually was a uh, a DJ on a classical music station uh, when I was in college. And uh, and <laughs> there's not really a lot you can do as a DJ in a, in a classical uh, music station. You know, you can, uh, you, you just give, uh, you know, brief statements about uh, the music that you're playing, the history of it and stuff like that. But, and, but at the time, I was not a classical music fan. Uh, I was a classic rock fan. But I learned a lot from uh, being a DJ at the station and 
and actually began to appreciate uh, classical music and started listening to it. So, well, listen, tell me what your theory is on uh, on the media's uh, nonstop force feeding of the American citizens their diets of of hate and uh, uh, and anger. Um, it's the nature of liber- liberalism. Um, I've come to, to realize that liberalism is, really is a religion, and their god is the government. And so they're trying to tear everybody apart so that there will be more central control. Right, but I, and, and I'm not going to say I disagree with you. I'm just going to say I want you to think about this, too, is that I think that uh, to a, a certain degree you're right, but if you look at other stations, like uh, look at some of the Fox stations, uh, even the uh, uh, syndicated radio, like Hannity and Rush and stuff like that, you'll see that, uh, that they're doing a good bit of it there too. Now, I understand that a lot of it is pushing back. They're trying to show uh, – Hypocrisy, uh, and the they're trying to show the uh, the listeners a lot of the media's hypocrisy. But still, you know, a diet of hate is a diet of hate, and it truly is, and it's of no use to us. Well, I'm, I think that uh, a great deal of it is, of course. Uh, is creating controversy to just sell advertising because that's their main job is to sell advertising. Any radio or television station, any newspaper, that is going to be their number one goal. And it's, it left sometime around the 60s, it left being uh, a a situation for the, the press or for media to deliver information and truth to Americans and and became more and more important that they sell advertising. And that's what it is now. It's a, an advertising sales-driven uh, industry. So the more controversy they can stir up, the more they can get people to, to jump up and down and clench their fists, then the, the more advertising they're going to sell. And and I think that I, I don't think that a lot of them are doing it, as I said, with a with malicious intent. I, I I think that a lot of them are. I don't think that all of them are. I think that a lot of them are doing it with malicious intent. I don't think it's everybody. But I don't think that uh, I don't think for the most part that they understand the amount of damage that they're doing to the nation by doing this. We're rapidly becoming a nation that is so polarized, the divide is getting deeper and deeper and more clear-cut. And uh, I liken it to the way things uh, the way things start like uh, in the American Revolutionary War. You have the divide that starts, and then it gets deeper and more pronounced. And at some point, 
and usually nobody knows when it happens or where it happens. There's no usually no uh, no defining instance. In some cases, there is. But there's usually no defining instance when it becomes accepted, uh, an accepted fact that there is going to be some type of uh, of armed insurrection. And that happened uh, in the the year preceding. Uh, 1775. By 1775, uh, even in the very uh, the very first months of the year, it was already a given that there would be armed conflict. Uh, they only needed the the final uh, push <clears throat> for it to happen. But at some point, the line was crossed, and and it was decided that that was how it was going to be fixed. It seems like we're getting closer and closer to that same type of situation where it's becoming more and more uh, mainstream to think that this is not going to be solved except by some type of conflict. You know, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked uh, people if if you know the same question, if they thought that that something would happen and that uh, the only way it was going to get fixed was through armed conflict, most people would say definitely not. Definitely, uh, that's not going to be the case. But now it's getting more and more mainstream, and of course we see this with uh, the last big push that uh, folks have made, and we're still in the middle of it. Uh, to purchase firearms and ammunition. We had millions of Americans, and they still are, buying uh, firearms and ammunition, not not because of any deep desire to, uh, to go hunting or to become gun collectors or, or to target shoot, but mainly because they were in fear of their government. So, so the the idea and the the rift between the two sides and the idea that it's not going to be a fixable one is becoming more and more mainstream. Listen, Matt, do you have? Uh, uh, are you doing anything right now? And you don't have to go into detail, but are you doing anything? Uh, Right now, in the way of uh, of working toward a more prepared or self reliant lifestyle, I'm working on it slowly. Um, I've got several thousand rounds of ammunition now. I've got a few rifles that need to be sighted in. Um, other than that, you know, the topic of your uh, your talk was one of the big ones um, of, of this episode. I'm afraid I'm probably stuck going it alone, and that's a bad thing. Yeah, it is, because because here's the thing. I just wanted to know what your suggestions were. Uh, You've got a – can you give me, like, a a state where you're living? Uh, Yeah, Texas. Texas? Okay, well, listen. Texas. You're not in – you're not in bad shape because you're, you know, Texas is a fairly populated uh, state, 
even uh, even if you get out west, maybe it'll be a, a little bit harder. But the further west that you get, the more independent-minded and the more self-reliant people are there out in the west because of necessity. Uh, but here's the thing. Let me first start off with this: is we we were talking earlier. Uh, I was talking earlier about this. Most most people, when you when you hear the term uh, survivalist, you know it it makes people think of uh, you know they get a picture of a a rugged individual, uh, you know, with a uh, a backpack on and a and a drive-on rag tied around their their head and their you know they've got the uh, they've got the determined grimace on their face and they're they're going to make it against all odds they're going to struggle towards uh, through the difficulty toward a hard won victory uh, Merriam's uh, dictionary says a survivalist is a person who advocates or practices survivalism especially one who's preparing to survive the anarchy of an anticipated breakdown of society. An anticipated breakdown of society. So that's normally what people think when they hear the term survivalist. The problem with that is that we have plenty of data, uh, historical data, from events uh, all over the world, including our own uh, Great Depression, uh, and then even in more modern times, like the uh, economic collapse of Argentina, of Greece, we have a great deal of data that shows that the individual is at much greater risk than a group. And you have, uh, certainly you have uh, you have different ways of thinking about this, and you have different. Uh, uh, there are different pros and cons uh, for for both. But as far as long term survival, uh, being with a group is going to greatly increase your chances of survival. <clears throat> when you're alone as an individual, there's only so much gear you can carry. There's only uh, so many things that you can be good at. There are only so many hours of the day that you can be awake and alert, uh, you know, in order to, uh, in order to spot potential dangers, uh, there's only so much that you can carry as one person. So as an individual, you, you're you really lowering the odds that you have for survival versus working with a group. And with a group, you have the ability to, uh, to have multiple uh, types of skills available. You can have uh, uh, the ability to, uh, even with a small group, to spread out things like uh, uh, being on watch. Uh, if you're an individual, you can, like I said, you can only stay awake for for a certain amount of time, and then you're going to have to go to sleep. And then, as an individual, once you're asleep, 
That's it. And there's nobody watching this store after that. With you, with a group, even just a couple of others, you know, you can spread that out. You can spread that out so that uh, that someone is uh, uh, is always awake, always watching. You have the ability to have uh, a lot of different skills available. Uh, if every if every individual person was a weapons expert, uh, a, uh, a gardening and agricultural expert, uh, a water purification expert, a doctor, if they had all these things under one hat, if every person did, then, then maybe their odds would be uh, a little bit increased, but nobody has that. Uh, usually, if we're lucky, we have one or two things that we're pretty good at, and and those are usually different from the person sitting right next to us. So in order for us to uh, to increase our odds of survivability, the best thing we can do is work together as a group. Now this was this was shown to be the truth in case after case. We've got uh, I've written a, a letter to a guy named uh, Parcel. Uh, it was pretty well known for his discussions of the Argentina collapse. Uh, I've asked him to come on the show to talk about this uh, at some point in the future. But if you read his discussions of the collapse in Argentina, you can see that almost no, none of the folks who were going it alone or who were in small groups uh, did well at all. They were they were preyed upon, or uh, or they were overcome with uh, with illness, or they simply vanished early on uh, during the event. The folks that made it through were the larger groups, especially groups uh, like of extended families, families and neighbors, and stuff like that. If you're an individual and you get sick. There's, there's nobody to take care of you. You're on your own. Uh, if you get sick enough to the point that. where you can't get up and get your get yourself a glass of water, then you're going to dehydrate. You're going to die. If you get a broken leg and you're alone, you can't go out to uh, to at least gather a minimal amount of food or get fresh water, uh, you're going to die. That's just the way that it is. <clears throat> when you work with a group, that allows uh, for the group uh, to provide care and sustenance for members of the group that uh, are ill or injured and to shift the workload around so that one person is not doing all of the work. Now, what I would suggest, uh, you know, and I've got it on a, on a spreadsheet here, but I'm not going to be able to transfer it over to the chat uh, without stopping my talking. But however, uh, here's the best thing you can do. You can go to uh, uh, Google and put in uh, Survival Groups Texas, and it will give you, uh, let's see, 15,600,000 results in 0 0.27 seconds. And uh, that will take you to a huge number of uh, prepping 
and self-reliance groups located in Texas. And each state has this. Believe me, I've, I've looked at almost every single state uh, to see what they offer in their way of prepping and survival groups and forums and stuff like that. And you can start uh, working your way toward forming a group or joining a group. And, of course, uh, it's going. your best bet, of course, is going to be uh, putting together a group that's as local to you as possible. Uh, I advise folks to start off with making sure that their family and their extended family uh, is part of their group. If you can get them to understand the importance of it and to begin helping uh, put together a group like that, then you're in pretty decent shape. Uh, I think the folks that pretty much have this, uh, uh, a really great jump on this is the uh, the LDS church because uh, that's one of the things they ask all of their members is to put together a year's supply of food and uh, they have constant uh, workshops and seminars on speak, being self-reliant and then the members of the church uh, are all members of the uh, of the uh, the groups. So they certainly have a big jump on it, but that doesn't mean that you can't do the same thing. Yes, it is going to be uh, a bit of work. It's going to be a little bit of uh, of difficulty, but then, you know, what? what isn't? Uh, and how important is it to you? I think it's important for everybody to, at the very minimum, to talk to other folks about it and get other folks uh, started thinking about it. And uh, you can go to these groups, and then you can find uh, on the forums and stuff like that, you can find folks in your area. Uh, I'm sure they'll be more than willing to to work with you and help you put together a group and, and start working towards... Uh, uh, toward forming a group that will help increase your odds of surviving. And like I said, this we've talked about uh, these situations in, in several of the different uh, broadcasts that we've had over the last couple of weeks. You, folks always think when they start talking about survival or self-reliance or prepping, they start they jump right to the very end, uh, which is, you know, an end-of-the-world scenario, which is the least likely, hopefully the least likely, but odds are it's the least likely. More, more likely to happen are going to be localized, smaller events, uh, things like uh, uh, flooding or uh, or uh, ice storms or tornadoes or hurricanes. And these groups are useful uh, even for this. They're absolutely useful for this. You need to have someone that you can you can count on that can help you uh, clear the downed trees out of your driveway and then off of the street in your neighborhood so that uh, if... Uh, medical assistance is needed, they can get to you, or you can take people somewhere, and that's not going to happen with just one person. So if you have a group together that can quickly go and grab their gear and uh, quickly uh, clear a, a few of the trees off 
of the street on your road, now you've just increased the odds of somebody uh, surviving this situation because if they're if they're stuck in their home, if they've got uh, a heart attack or a broken leg or or some other injury, and they need medical assistance, but the ambulance can't get to them, and you can't put them in the car and take them anywhere because the road is blocked, you're going to be in bad news. You're going to be in bad trouble. Uh, if you're going to have to wait for some crew to get there and fix it, there's no telling how long you're going to have to wait. But if you have a group together, if you have a group that you've already had, it doesn't have to be any kind of a uh, a SWAT or commando-style group ready to go and uh, and repel invaders. It just needs to be a group of folks that you've had a couple of meetings with and you've said, hey, <clears throat> listen, if something happens, how how are we here in the neighborhood? How are we set up as far as being able you know, to handle it at least for a little while until until we get some help. Does uh, what? Does anybody have a chainsaw? All right, uh, Mr. Mr. Smith has one. What about uh, maybe like a uh, you know a, a couple of axes and stuff like that? Uh, okay, Mr. Jones, he's got a, an axe and a, and a hatchet, and a couple of machetes or something, uh, and you start uh, putting together uh, a list of the folks and the equipment that they have, that will get them started to talking about ways they could fix certain situations. And you can you can present uh, different situations to the group. And like I said, this doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be folks who have uh, sworn an oath in blood to, to remain secret to guard their supplies. It can just start off uh, as a local group in your neighborhood, your neighbors who has started talking about the things they could do to help each other in the event that that there was uh, some type of a problem in the neighborhood. Uh, you may find that uh, along with Mr. Smith's chainsaw and Mr. Jones's axe and hatchet, uh, there's somebody else that has a, a, a small uh, yard tractor uh, that uh, that has four wheel drive and uh, and maybe it's even up something like a thirty or forty or fifty horsepower lawn tractor and they've got a chain and uh, they could be counted on to uh, to move some of the larger pieces of wood with their tractor <clears throat> during your discussions you may add they may come up with the idea we'll say look yeah we've got this covered what about what if somebody's injured. And uh, one of the people may raise their hand and say, look, I know uh, the the neighbor on, on the south side of me is a doctor. And uh, and you could talk to the doctor, ask them to come to a local meeting and say, hey, doc, uh, as a group, we wanted to get together and we wanted to talk about ways that we could, we could possibly assist each other uh, in the event that there was some type uh, uh, of a situation that that required our assistance, uh, you know, that uh, the things that we could do before any of the uh, the local uh, emergency crews could get here. And the thing about this is that each person, and some people are not going to, they're not going to be able to be bothered with it. It's just going to be their 
their attitude and their personality. But one of the things each person is going to understand about this is that that they uh, could possibly be the direct beneficiary of the assistance of the group. In other words, it could be it could certainly be their driveway or their car or their uh, mother, father, son, daughter that's injured and needs to get to the hospital. And they don't have a chainsaw, and they don't have a tractor or chain, but they do have this, and they do have some type of a uh, of a skill uh, or something they could bring to the table, and and I've been with a lot of different groups, groups that are just starting, and and folks that are just talking about it, and and I'm telling you that it. Most folks, most groups can get started fairly easily uh, because people uh, at their roots, people are good and they want to help. Uh, they want to help each other. They want uh, to to offer a skill that they have, a skill or service that they have. They want to do this and uh, they want to offer it to the community and they want to they want to be in a position to help their community. So, so I don't think that you'll have uh, have much trouble in uh, in in working with folks in order to get started with this. If you need, uh, send me an email, and I can send you as much information as I have. Uh, on the, the different groups that I've talked to and worked with. And uh, like I said, I'll be glad to help you get a, a group started. Are you in a uh, a rural or a, uh urban or a city situation? I'm in an urban situation, or suburban, I guess. Okay. Well, that's actually, you know, a pretty decent position to be in because uh, you're not in the middle of a city where uh, – I'm not going to tell and say that city folks are bad. They're not. They're just usually, even though they're tightly packed against each other, a lot more isolated, and uh, and it's usually going to be a lot harder, a lot more, uh, a lot difficult to start something there as opposed to being in a in any urban or suburban uh, setting. You know, we have neighbors, and you you. Do you know some of your neighbors? Do you know any of the neighbors around you? Uh, yeah, I don't know them that well, but I do know them. Well, this is a, this this type of thing is a perfect uh, a perfect way to get to know your neighbors better, and uh, and it can lead toward a a stronger community, uh, you know, in a more prepared community. The uh, the fact that the groups, when you have a group, there are a lot more skills uh, in the group than there are than there are in the individual. So uh, it's fairly easy to get a a decent amount of skills, even from a even from a fairly small sampling uh, of neighbors. Now. I'm not sure if you if you guys have any kind of a uh any kind of a meeting 
uh, anything you do where the neighbors regularly meet, or if you guys have any kind of a, uh, uh, what do they call the things where they, uh, where the neighbors turn on their porch lights and they stand outside so that they can talk to each other. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the neighborhood night out. Yeah, we have yeah, yeah. one of those. Every year we have one, so. I, I well, have see, that would be a perfect fun. opportunity there because, and you you don't want to, uh, you don't want to, uh, I call it vomiting. You don't want to vomit on your neighbors. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, when somebody comes up to you and say, hey, listen, uh, I think we should prepare in case we're invaded by jihadists and then we can all get guns and blah, 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 because... Uh, even folks that are like-minded are gonna—they're gonna run from that. Uh, right. The best thing to do is just to, you know, to very, uh, very uh, politely uh, bring up the the discussion and say, "Look, uh, you know, we're in hurricane season now, and it caused me to think that." You know, we're here in, uh, you know, in a city that's close to the Gulf, and I was just wondering if, if anybody had ever mentioned or if anybody has ever thought about the possibility of us uh, uh, coordinating some kind of a plan that we could use to to assist our neighborhood, uh, you know, in case of a tornado or the hurricane came through here. Is there, does anybody know if any... Uh, any type of a plan that the community has uh, in order to make sure that everybody has food and and water and stuff like that. Uh, and if not, uh, you know, do you think it would be a good idea if maybe Steve us got together and talked about this? Uh, that's usually a much better way, uh, you know, to approach it. Uh, and uh, as as on. Uh, if you can make it as uh, as unscary as possible, uh, the better chances you have of getting folks involved. But something like you're talking about, the, the neighborhood night out, that's a perfect place to do it. You don't even have to wait for that. You know, you can have uh, <clears throat> uh, you can have uh, a garage sale. And, uh, you know, at the garage sale, uh, you know, you can say, hey, listen, uh, you know, have like a little sign-up sheet or something and say, hey, listen, I uh, I was thinking about maybe getting some of us together to talk about ways that we could help, uh, you know, provide. Uh, and you don't want to, you don't want to uh, couch it in the form of uh, provide security or you know, or something for the neighborhood, because then uh, certainly right now everybody's going to think of the neighborhood watch and and the Zimmerman situation. Uh, but if you if you maybe put it in terms of look, is there only to find out if there's some kind of way we could we could get together and make sure that we were uh, that we were able to help each other out in uh, in some kind in any kind of emergency or something like that, uh, making sure that we were uh we were able to to know who the elderly were on this on the on, on our block 
or if there was anybody with uh, with handicaps or disabilities that might need uh, some special help in the event of an emergency situation. Uh, and maybe you'd like to uh, maybe you'd like to help me with this project because I think it's important that we have uh, in our community that we watch out for each other and that we try and take care of each other. Uh, I think that would be a great way to to get it started. And like I said, some people are gonna some people are gonna look at you and say no uh, because not because they don't like you or because they don't think it's a good idea or anything like that, but because they're scared of it. Because if you make them look at the at the possibility of some type of a disaster, then they're gonna have to confront it. They're gonna have to do something about it. It's no different than at Appleseed. You know, if we have to we have to try and get people off the couch and get them to come to events and get them to understand that our nation uh, is in need uh, of our help. Uh, our nation is, is in need of maintenance, and we need them to help us provide it. And yet a lot of people are going to completely deny the fact because if they if they accept it as a truth, then they now have the obligation of doing something about it. And that's difficult. That's, you know, that's a job. And a lot of people are not going to do it because it's going to be a job. It's the same way with what you're trying to do. But I think it's important that you do this because regardless of uh, – there's always going to be something. Uh, I'm sure that you guys have probably already experienced at least one. I don't know how long you've lived in that community, but I'm sure that uh, whatever that in some community you lived in, you've already experienced uh, you know uh, a tornado or hurricane that has torn down trees or or torn down power lines. Or uh, if you're here in Texas, you may have only gotten one or two or three days of black ice on the roads. But still, people need help during that time, and. Uh, and there's always going to be a need for this. So I think it's important uh, I think it's important that we do this. And I think it's important that we start doing it now and start working on groups to enhance our chances, our odds of survival. Yeah, I agree. I'll have to have to dig in more and see what I can do. That's good advice. Well listen. Like I said, I'll be glad to help you. Uh, what I've done is I started with uh, with my family members. And, of course, uh, you're going to have different, uh, different responses, and you're going to have different levels of, uh, of participation. Uh, very seldom are you going to have... Uh, you know, even uh, 10% of the folks that you talk to about it uh, are going to uh, jump in and start participating. I mean, you may have, uh, you know, 30 or 40% that agree and that they think that something should be done, but they, they're they not at the point where they're ready to do it. Or It's actually much easier, I think, uh, doing it in the situation that you're in, in a suburban situation, and it is in a lot of other places. Uh, 
because a lot of folks are just not going to they're not going to want to embrace it. They're not going to have time. Uh, if you look at the uh, American Revolutionary War, look at uh, look at who was involved in that. Uh, there's three percent of the population that had anything at all to do with us becoming a nation. And you're going to find the the same type uh, uh, of odds in doing this. But but uh, in order for you to increase your own personal odds, you're going to need to to develop a group. And the best place to start is going to be right there where you are. Now we uh, I don't know if you listened to the program a couple of weeks ago. But I was talking about bugging in and bugging out. And uh, that is another, bugging out is another of the common, uh, I think, uh, fallacies of uh, surviving a natural or man-made disaster because a great many folks think that if something happens, they're going to slam on their gear, they're going to bug out, and they're going to live the life of ease, uh, by wandering through the forests uh, in an idyllic fashion and living off the land and stuff like that. It's just not going to happen. Your best odds of surviving are going to be remaining in place. And if you remain in place and if you and uh, a, a good number of your neighbors remain in place, then you can greatly increase your odds because you're going to have access uh, to an even greater uh, amount of supplies that can help you get through the situation and a greater number of uh, of folks that can participate in it. You said you had a rifle and a couple thousand rounds of ammunition. That's great. But I can tell you right now that uh, that if you decided uh, that you were going to bug out, you're not going to be able to take that with you. I mean, you're you're just not going to be physically be able to do it. Not and carry uh, even a sandwich in your other pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remaining in place is going to be your best bet. You can remain in place. You can have these stocks of uh, supplies that you've gathered, and then you can have your uh, your neighborhood working together. Uh, to support and defend itself, so that's going to be your best uh, your best situation. And uh, I'll be glad to do anything I can to uh, uh, to assist you in that. Just uh, shoot me a uh, an email. Uh, are you looking at the chat? Or are you are you? Can you see the chat? Uh, no, I'm on on the phone. So okay. Uh, let's see. I. Uh, I'm you. not on Facebook either. You know, you, you talk about people gathering information. They're one of the worst. So I avoid <laughs> them. Yeah, they are. But, uh, but. Yeah, remember, remember you're not their customer. Sword. You're their product. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. So, uh, you know, the problem is, is that everybody's on Facebook. That's where 90, yeah. over 95% of America is living out their lives on Facebook. So if you want to talk to them, that's where you got to go, and that's just that's just the reality of it. Are they gathering information? You bet they are. Tons of it. Uh, if you look at your, uh, uh, like at any of the search engines and stuff like that, 
uh, even on your emails. If there's, if there's anything you've ever uh, entered into a Google or Yahoo search engine and hit the submit button, <clears throat> they kept a record of that, and they they use it so that uh, now when you get an email or if you're looking for anything else anywhere on the Internet, uh, they're going to have a strip of ads, usually on the right side, that uh, that are going to include selections from the things that you have previously searched for. Uh, if I, whenever I open up a uh, uh, a search engine and I take a look, uh, if I'm looking for something, if I'm looking for uh, uh, for tractor parts, even though I'm looking for tractor parts on the right hand side of the screen. Is going to be uh, several boxes that uh, contain ads for brass discussion pens. Uh, not not because I'm searching for them right then, but because at one at some point in my Google history, I searched for brass discussion pens. So they've they've kept all that information, they've saved it, and then that's what they are putting in uh, every time you open up a page somewhere. They're going to put that in there because they know you searched for it because they kept the records of it. Uh, so every time you've searched for anything on the uh, uh, on the web, they keep the records of it, and and they keep uh, uh, they keep great detailed information on anything you've looked at, uh, anything that you've read, <laughs> and they use that to enhance their abilities to to sell you stuff. And I'm sure that they sell that information uh, to everyone else. But I put up with it because. Uh, because I have to, because I need to use Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that to get information out. So I've got to put up with it. And uh, and it, anything that you do now, uh, you're going to experience that. I don't care how uh, how detailed you get in attempting not to. You're going to have to put up with that. So so good luck in escaping it. Uh, but let me give you my uh my email. It's uh RWVA Range Scout uh all lowercase one word RWVA Range Scout R A N G E S C O U T at Gmail dot com. <clears throat> and uh, anybody that wants you can send me uh an email and you're welcome to send emails for any reason. If you want to uh, suggest uh, uh, topics for the show or guests, I'll be glad to uh, to read those emails. If you want uh, some assistance in uh, putting together a group, I'll be glad to help you with that too because I'm, I I do work with several groups, and and we and I've been involved at all stages of the groups from. The first meeting to uh, there are groups now that have uh, that I've worked with that uh, that have already purchased uh, property at secondary locations and have already set up uh, uh, defensible housing there and greenhouses and uh, wind energy and you name it. So I've been involved with folks at every step of the way. So. I'm more than happy to assist uh, anyone that's trying to do this because this is what we this is what we're going to have to do. And I'm not going to tell you that uh, that I know of anything specific that's going to happen because I don't. 
other than I know that we cannot continue on at uh, at the rate and in the style that uh, that we're living in right now. It's just it's not possible, and and what is going to end up happening is going to be something very ugly. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm telling you, something is going to happen. There's going to be some form of reset. There always is. There always is. And how ugly it gets, I don't know. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how ugly it gets. It's going to get ugly at some point. Uh, It's going to snow folks in at some point. It's going to black ice the roads at some point. It's going to flood at some point. It's going to uh, be a tornado or a hurricane at some point. And you don't have to uh, be burned alive by the uh, by a solar blast or by the shock wave of a uh, one million kiloton asteroid to die uh, in some type of an event. All you have to do is be stuck in your house with no way to get to the hospital. That's all you have to do, uh, to be stuck in your house with with nobody to come by and check on you when you get a high fever. That's all you have to do. It's really, really easy for you not to survive one of these things. I know. I had, had something happen last year. I wound up face down on the carpet, unable to move. You were? Yeah. Fortunately, I recovered. And mass, just horrible hypotensive. And, yeah, well, I did a lot of the thinking about I could die here and it will be months before anybody finds me. Well, that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's plenty of side benefits for it, from it. Uh, the group that I that I work with now, we're all good friends, and uh, there doesn't have to be any type of uh, emergency for us to get together. We may get together just to burn a steak, and uh, while we're there, uh, we talk about ways that we can work together uh, to increase our odds of uh, surviving an event or just making it through with the least possible uh, butt chafe, uh, because. <clears throat> Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, to give a community grief. Uh, we all saw what happened uh, whenever Katrina came through, and uh, that was just a, a fairly localized event, and yet it affected almost the whole nation. Uh, anytime that anything occurs that affects uh, internet, interstate commerce uh, or anything like that, you're going to feel the pinch of it. And Whenever, whenever governments, uh, as states and governments, because they they both do it, when you have states, uh, quite a few states in our nation, that are right now, they are they're broke, they're penniless, they are just faking their way through it. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to continue this. So, so at some point, 
something's going to happen. And even if it doesn't, you still have the benefit, like I said, of uh, of making new friends. Of uh, Whenever you put a garden in and you start growing your garden, and the best time to do that is before you're depending on that food for your for your existence. When you put a garden in and you start growing your own food, you're going to benefit from that regardless of if there's any type of uh, of a man-made or, or natural disaster. You're going to benefit from that. You're going to get uh, fresh uh, fruits and vegetables. You're going to... Uh, uh, you're going to decrease uh, the money that you spend uh, for food. Uh, you're going to have food uh, plenty of times. You're going to have surplus food that you can either figure out ways to store or that you can bestow on your neighbors. Uh, so the things that uh, the things that I'm asking you to think about and asking you to start doing are not things that I want you to do just because uh, there may be something that's coming up. I want you to start doing them because these things, these are things that are good for you, whether there is uh, any kind of a disaster or not. Uh, so no matter what state you're living in, you can go to, uh, you can go to Google, you can go to Yahoo, you can hit the, uh, the search button, for self-reliance or preparedness groups. And that will give you a list of the groups in your state. Now, these groups will hold events uh, on a pretty regular basis. They'll hold events, they'll hold get-togethers, uh, and uh, some of them will be private, but most of them are going to be public events because they're they're always looking to expand their networks and their ability uh, to provide for themselves and their communities. So they'll have uh, plenty of public groups or public meetings and events that you can go to, and you can talk to folks there. Uh, there are almost all of the folks that I've ever met are almost always willing to share their knowledge with you uh, on almost anything uh, that you can ask for, uh, whether it's gardening or food preparation or storage, uh, shelter, anything like that. Folks are always willing to share their knowledge with you. Uh, you're more than likely going to get better deals uh, on purchasing uh, items uh, from uh, from folks and events like this. <clears throat> and you're going to be able to uh, to meet people who are like-minded. Maybe they're not going to be in your same area, uh, but they're going to help you because they want to help you. They're going to help you get started. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna help you. They're gonna mentor you because that is a mindset uh, of the self reliant folks. They they want you to succeed uh, because every person that succeeds uh, at the very base level, every person that succeeds and becomes self reliant is one less person they have to worry about going out after their stuff, right? It's one less person they have to worry about because. Now you are a producer uh, instead of uh, instead of somebody who is who needs the things they have. So 
it's very easy to go to these events, meet the people, and uh, to get started in a group. And the time to do it is now. The time to do it is now, to seek out a group. Uh, there are plenty of groups that, uh, like I said, they're already going. You can become a member uh, of ongoing groups. There are plenty of uh, online forums with just an absolute wealth of information. Uh, the Survival Podcast, Jack Spierko on the Survival Podcast, he has a tremendous following and a tremendous uh, ability uh, of knowledge stored in the TSP forums. If there's something you want to find out about, I don't care what it is from any kind of food or shelter, uh, et cetera, uh, you're going to be able to find it on that forum. Somebody will figure it out. Somebody will uh, will point you toward the right uh, way to get the information, and they'll be more than glad uh, usually to help you uh, find what you're looking for and then to help you get it done, whatever project you're, you're working towards. <clears throat> Every time you work with another person and you work with uh, with your group, then you're increasing your odds of survival in, in no matter what type of an event that it is. Like I said, you can start off with your family. Uh, you can get your family as much as possible to become involved in it and then work with your neighbors, work with your local neighbors. I worked with uh, my community here. I work with my church, and then I've worked with uh, even a tighter select group of folks that uh, are within like a 20-mile radius, and we've we worked uh, a great bit on on putting together the items that we'll need and uh, the information that we'll need uh, in order to weather situations like this. Uh, we've worked on everything that uh, you can imagine, things like uh, communications. Uh, we've mapped out the the local highways, and we figured out the best places to get communications with different types of uh, radio equipment along the highways and uh, on different properties so that we'll know ahead of time that we can go to a certain spot in the road and we have the best uh, chance of making contact with the next town, stuff like that. Uh, these are the things that you need to be doing now. The uh, making lists of skills of the folks in, in your groups, in your neighborhoods, finding folks that uh, that can that can do different things. Like I said, if you've got a, a person in your neighborhood who is a doctor or a physician's assistant or even a registered nurse, then you, then you just, you just uh, made a great uh, increase in your chances of survival. Uh, and most of those folks are more than willing uh, to get involved in something like this and help to advise you, get advise your group on the things that they need to, to buy or acquire, uh, medical gear, stuff like that. And the more folks that you add and the more sources of information that you add, uh, somebody is going to know where you can get uh, item X at a discount. Somebody is going gonna, is gonna to have, uh, you know, a, a big box of item X that they weren't even using uh, that they can contribute uh, to the, the neighborhood or community here. 
somebody is going to be more than willing to give you guys a class in uh, ham radio. They're going to be more than willing to help you get uh, the right gear at bargain basement prices so you can set up a, a decent ham radio uh, communication system in your neighborhood so that if the uh, power communications go out uh, in your neighborhood due to a tornado or hurricane, that you can still contact the outside world and let them know that you need assistance. Uh, this is there's just a, a basic fundamental desire in most humans to help out in this fashion. Uh, I've got Sam calling uh, Mr. Rhodes. Stuart was supposed to uh, he was supposed to call in tonight so that uh, we could talk about the uh, the preparedness event that uh, that the Oath Keepers are putting together in Idaho this coming weekend. But uh, he may have gotten busy and uh, you know, because I know he's a very busy guy. If he doesn't make it tonight, then uh, we'll have him on uh, in the next uh, week or two. Because I talked to Stuart recently, and he's working uh, with his group, with the Oath Keepers. It turns out it's a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty large group. They've grown really fast over the last few years. He's working uh, toward pushing them <clears throat> to become more self-reliant. Uh, the same way that uh, I've been pushing the folks at Appleseed. Because we want, I want, and I think it's our duty, uh, for folks who who would consider, consider themselves to be riflemen to be more than just uh, prepared. First of all, as a rifleman, you should be prepared. You should be prepared uh, to weather uh, as many situations as you can. But it's not enough just for you to get through it. Like I said, first of all, we want you to be able to get through a situation. As a rifleman, uh, it's part of your obligation to get through uh, these situations, these events, without having to to scramble on hands and knees and, and scratch out uh, for food or or supplies. It's your duty to be more prepared than that. I think it's your duty to prepare to be prepared in such a fashion that you are not only able to survive yourself, but you are able to provide help and support to your community. <clears throat> uh, so, so that's what uh, that's what my goal is: is to get folks to think about the rifleman as a prepared uh, as a person who is prepared enough to bring their family, their selves, and their family uh, through a situation, but also prepared enough that they can. Uh, provide support and leadership to their community in times of trouble. That's what I would like for you guys to to be working towards. I think that's what uh, Stuart is working with his guys to. And uh, that's what we would like 
we'd like for you guys to be doing. <clears throat> so working your way towards uh, setting up a group should be one of your main goals. And like I said, it's, it is really not as hard of a task as you think it is. But usually the hardest part is just getting started. It's just making that first introduction or going over to that first neighbor and introducing yourself and then uh, finally at some point working toward the, uh, you know, toward asking the question uh, or letting them know that uh, uh, that you would like uh, to work on some kind of a group. That's usually the hardest part It's just getting your foot in the door. After that, uh, it usually has, it usually starts to build to build a momentum of its own. Now, certainly, working with a group uh, has its own cons, too, because uh, I've never seen uh, a case of where you get more than one person in a room where there's not eventually some type of uh, of arguments or, uh, uh, or some type of... Uh, some type of problems, right? Uh, that's something you have to deal with. Uh, the dynamics of a group uh, is one of the one of the hardest parts of building a group. You know, is being able to uh, to maintain harmony within the group. But uh, but that's uh, that's one of the things that you'll have to work out. So well. <clears throat> I'm looking at the chat now. <clears throat> if anybody has uh if anybody has any questions, then uh send them to me uh in an email and I'll be glad to answer your questions. If anybody has uh any type of uh topics that they would like to see covered, then uh, I'll be glad to to try and get those uh uh, on board for you. Next week we're going to have uh, folks in the the food storage and food preparation uh, industry on, and they're going to be talking to you about how to uh, safely and correctly prepare your food for storage. I got lazy uh, for a few months, uh, well, in the last few months, and I ended up uh, losing a, a little chunk of my uh, of my next group of food that I was getting ready to prepare for storage. I I just got lazy. I didn't have the uh, uh, I didn't have the gear ready, uh, but I went in and purchased the food. I had uh, I believe I had uh, maybe 600 uh, individual servings of ramen noodles in a uh, big Rubbermaid tote. And then uh, another couple of hundred pounds of rice and beans that uh, I was going to uh, put into storage. Uh, but my wife ended up stacking one of the, the bins with rice and stuff on top of the Rubbermaid tote that had the ramen in it. And this is in a, a back storage room of our of our home. Like I said, I live out. I live out rurally, and we have plenty of uh, 
uh, of critters out here. And mice got into the ramen container, and they were more than happy to eat through uh, about 250 servings of the ramen. And listen, they certainly uh, they benefited from that because uh, they didn't just uh, tear open a package and nibble some of the corners and then go. They they cleaned out each individual sack of ramen before they moved to the next. And uh, they uh, they ate well over uh, over 250 packages of ramen. And uh, that certainly that certainly taught me a lesson in procrastination. Uh, and uh, over the next few nights, I cleaned all of the mess up, and I transferred the uh, the bulk sacks of rice and the bulk sacks of beans and the ramen. I transferred it to uh, the five-gallon containers that it was supposed to be in. But the procrastination, like I said, caused me to lose uh, several hundred individual servings of ramen. Now, is that uh, is that that big of a problem right now? Not really, uh, because hopefully even the ramen that I eventually uh, pack correctly will go bad uh, before I ever have any reason to use it, right? <clears throat> uh, but had this been a situation where I was depending on that food and I lost 300 meals, that may not have been uh, that may not have been such a great situation. So, of course, the lesson I learned is, you know, you don't procrastinate. The minute that you, uh, the minute that you can ensure that you are safely uh, putting into storage, you know, any of the the food items that you had, I transferred all of the the stuff into five gallon uh, sealable buckets with the mylar uh, bags inside them, and then uh, uh, put the oxygen. Uh, uh, the oxygen uh, gathering uh, packets on there, rolled it down tight and sealed it up. And that uh, removes uh, the usable oxygen from inside the package, which all uh, insects uh, are going to need to survive. And uh, and then those got locked down went in storage. You got the dates uh, and the contents written on them went down in storage. So I I processed uh, about, uh, I don't know, about 300 meals of ramen and a couple of hundred pounds of rice and beans and then about, uh, I guess, about 30 or 40 pounds of salt. And then, uh, I mean, just different uh, uh, types of spices and stuff that I put uh, along with that. Because when I pack up a... Uh, a sack of rice. You saw inside each of the, uh, and I'll get about uh, 25 pounds or so uh, of rice in a five-gallon bucket. Uh, I'll usually pack in uh, salt and spices, you know, in that same bucket. I'll seal up the the spices and, uh, like, I'll take uh, maybe two or three pounds of salt and seal it up in, uh, like, six-ounce uh, plastic containers, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, the plastic uh, sealable bags, and then I'll put that in with the the rice, and that way I've got uh, spices mixed throughout there because uh, just plain uh, unseasoned rice and beans is not that palatable. 
but that taught me that uh, you can't you can't procrastinate because uh, something inevitably will happen. So we'll have the folks on next week to talk about uh, food storage. We'll also have uh, Marjorie Wildcraft on in the next couple of weeks, and Marjorie really has a fantastic website, which uh, I would suggest you guys take a look at, MarjorieWildcraft.com. And uh, she has a fantastic uh, amount of knowledge uh, that she has uh, searched out and included there for you. Uh, she does a great job, especially on uh, on gardening information. And listen, gardening, while it's certainly not nearly as sexy as uh, as guns and ammo, is going to be one of the main things that's going to determine. Uh, who lives and who doesn't in uh, in a uh, in a really rough times uh, scenario because that's the only place you're going to get food and that's food that you are growing yourself that you're preparing yourself. Those folks who know how to do that uh, are going to make it. They're going to have food to eat food that they can use as barter, and uh, and they're going to make it. The folks that don't are not going to make it uh, nearly as well. Okay, uh, Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, once again, if you uh, uh, if you need any help at all, uh, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to start working with you on that. Like I said, I've I've, I've worked with groups of all different sizes at all different. Uh, uh, points in their, uh, you know, in their growth. So I'll, I'll be more than happy to get you uh, hooked up with a group, and then uh, to help you guys uh, uh, get started. So shoot me an email, uh, or give me a call. You're welcome to call me uh, too, and uh, and we'll take it from there. All right. I want to thank uh, all you guys for uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, and I hope that the information that uh, I put out is going to be of some use. Um, I feel bad in a way because uh, the last couple of weeks I have been so busy that I've had to I've had just enough time to get the show loaded, and uh, and especially last week in the middle of my uh, my well going out, uh, I hate. I hate doing a show uh, without uh, at least a few minutes to get everything set up and, and running. I'm sure last week it probably sounded like I was uh, uh, almost like I was drunk or something from uh, from the the heat and the uh, and having to jump straight into it. Uh, this next week I've already got uh, a great bit of the information done and set up. So I think that uh, this next week's show on food storage is going to be a lot better. And uh, I, like I said, I hope that uh, tonight's information was useful to you guys. And uh, I'll see you guys uh, this next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, take care. God bless you all. And make sure you're doing uh, as much as you can to ensure that uh, yourselves and your family and your community are prepared uh, to weather uh, 
any man-made or natural disasters or cessation of services. Okay, guys, take care.
satellites in the skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. 